Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. This is Baldy's Breakdowns, the podcast with NFL insiders Brian Baldinger and Jason LaConfora, an Odyssey Sports original. Welcome to the latest edition of Baldy's Breakdowns, courtesy of our friends at Odyssey. I am Jason LaConfora, at Jason LaConfora on Twitter. And the guy you are all here to listen to and learn from, (laughs) Brian Baldinger, you know and love from Twitter and NFL Network and everywhere else. And you can find him out there on social media at Baldy NFL. And we come to you guys now creeping uh, into mid-August and with preseason football upon us. And it is our turn as we uh, whirl you through this league division by division to set you up for what we believe um, is going to uh, occur in the NFC South this year. Obviously, this division has taken a major star turn since Tom Brady got to Tampa, but obviously things have changed there with Bruce Arians sort of uh, stepping aside at, I don't know, an unusual point in time. And with not the entire crew still being there, um, not the entire band running it back like they did after their Super Bowl year. And now, Baldy, the Pied Piper who led them all to Florida in the first place, Tom Brady, going on a little hiatus for a while. Not not going to be around the team for uh, 10 days or so. Well, I've been on a, uh, a hiatus myself on a training camp tour. Yes. Jason, I'm, I'm back in the saddle here at NFL Films for the first time in 16 days. So mm. I've seen a good chunk of the league. I've seen 12 different teams. I did not get to Tampa. I know they scrimmaged the Dolphins a couple days ago. NFL Network was all over it. Tom Brady was on the field that day. Um, And anybody that has had the opportunity to see Tom Brady just practice in the kind of Tampa, Florida heat that you get this time of the year, it's something to see. Uh, I don't know what to make out of the fact that he's not going to be around the team for almost a full week here. I don't know. He's been given some, you know, veteran days and that kind of thing, which yeah. uh, I think, you know, he, he needs and you just need to get him healthy and all that. So I'm not I'm probably a little bit like you. I'm not panicking by it. Yeah. But, you know, there's just a lot of changes there in Tampa. And, you know, the, Tom knows and Todd Bowles knows that you never bring back the same team. And the team has been very good the last two years. But when they lost their center, Ryan Jensen, a couple yeah. weeks ago yeah. to a pretty severe uh, leg injury. I thought that was a significant 
uh, loss. Just knowing Ryan Jensen, you know yep. him from his yep. days yep. in Baltimore. Fiery leader, tough yeah, guy. Yeah, I mean he he has he has the type of temperament that sets the tone every day in practice in the games. Um, you know, he was only he only plays the game one way, and it's full yep. speed, and is probably a little bit beyond the lines at times. But it it really you know he he gives that team a real fire and punch. And I'm not so sure Donovan Smith or Tristan Wirfs or, yeah. you know, anybody else in there kind of gives that team. And so, you know, they've got uh, Nick Leverett and they've got Robert Hainsey and they've got some young players there. They're going to try and fill that void. I don't know. You know, really, I think the decision about either one of those players is probably going to come from Brady. Like he's going to let them know if these guys can do it or not do it. And he's not going to, you know, because there's still J.C. Treader out there who uh, – you know, he, he just yeah. comes from an, an entire family of Cornell graduates. Like we're talking about, you know, very, very smart, very yes. bright, um, you know, does a lot of the thinking for the line. Did that in Cleveland, did it in Green Bay. Very, very steady player. So I got my eye on that. I think a lot of people do to see what happens there. But I don't know, you know, you people think that Todd Bowles could just step into Bruce Arians' spot. Yeah. Um, and I like Todd Bowles. We all respect him. It's just different when you're running the defense and you're the head coach and you've got Tom Brady to manage Mm -hmm. and you've had some early camp injuries to deal with. Um, I'm not just going to just pencil them in as NFC South champions right now yet. Yeah. uh, Jason. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of layers to that onion. So let's start, let's start peeling it back on the Brady thing. My, my spidey senses are not super tingling yet. Baldy, my suspicion is he made some some promises to the family during the period of time between when he retired and when he changed his mind, and it involved doing some stuff that they've never been able to do as a family, sort of in back-to-school time before, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the the kids are now into their regular season schedule, and now Tom Brady will be back into his. So that's my take on it for now. I reserve the right to uh, – as I do more reporting, change that. But I, I think that's sort of what's going on there. But the timing is suboptimal because of, um, to one of your points there, it's not just Jensen, right? Like they've had some defections at guard. Like the one yeah. way you could get to Tom Brady is pressure up the middle, right? I mean, yeah. that's the one Achilles heel, even when he was at his physical peak, that stuff could give him problems. What do you f- take? We've talked about Jensen, but how, how do you feel about, guard center guard now versus what he's become accustomed to since he got to Tampa. Well, you know, he, they got, they, they pride Shaq Mason out of new England. He's been a good player. He's an undersized player. Um, I thought Ollie Marpet was just a complete pro um, at left guard, a real staple. Alex Kappa, um, you know, was a really good player, but he got hurt in their Super Bowl run. And so Stenny took over there. So they played with different guys up front, but, it's really about how they play together, Jason. It's not necessarily, you know, one guy. It's how they play together up front because people know that if you can move Tom Brady off the spot, you can disrupt Tom Brady. And nothing disrupts a pure pocket quarterback uh, for Brady or Stafford. Nothing affects those guys more than pressure right in their face where they can't step up. They they have a GPS system in their helmet mm-hmm. that um, – you know, they, they feel the pressure without necessarily seeing it. And they just have this uh, sixth sense to avoid it. They know how to avoid the great edge rushers. Yes. But guys right in their face, there is no avoiding those guys. 
you know, like Peyton Manning. I mean, they just basically fall down. They sack themselves. You know, they get on yeah. to the next play. They, yeah. And so it's uh, it, it remains to be seen. I just know how Jensen just made everybody better inside, and it's going to be, it's going to be. I mean, obviously, it's a it's a huge storyline. I, you, everybody has injuries, got to replace players. But I would say if there's two guys on the offense line that are irreplaceable to me, it was Ryan Jensen and Tristan Worse. Mm-hmm. Like I think they could get by with other guys in other positions, but those guys were elite. And so uh, we, we've got to kind of – it's, it's going to be difficult to see. But, uh, you know, this is this is really valuable. I mean, that time against uh, Miami the other day, really valuable for Nick Leverett and, and Robert Hainsey to, you know, get those reps. They drafted Hainsey really to be the replacement. He was at Notre Dame as a third, high third-round pick. Yeah. You know, it's just a question of when do you – when's he ready to kind of move into that spot? Because before Brady came back, they were going to lose Ryan Jensen free agency. Right. So it was probably going to be Hainsey or Leverett, you know, playing that position to begin with. Let's go to the macro level. You mentioned, um, look, Todd Bowles is not B.A. Nobody's Bruce Arians, right? I mean, and and you know both these guys. I know both these guys. Todd Bowles um, has a very sort of understated personality. Todd Bowles has um, – sort of, I would say his sense of humor is a little more dry, a little more reserved, whereas B.A. is the life of the party, right? Mm -hmm. B.A. could be the class clown and pull it off. B.A.'s way of motivating players, I think, is incredibly different than Todd Bowles. The way B.A. talks about players in in, in public to the media, hell of a lot different than Todd Bowles. Jason, his first coaching job with Tom Brady, he called Tom Brady out. Yes, in their loss to, to the New Orleans Saints on a couple of interceptions, when almost everybody knew it wasn't just yeah, Brady's yeah. fault. There was other people at fault. And he put Tom Brady right up there on the pedestal to, uh, you know, take the, the slings and the arrows on that particular day. Yeah, I just wonder how these dynamics sort of play out because, and the expectations are different. You know, B.A. came out of retirement, no risk it, no biscuit. I'm going to go down in a blaze of glory one way or the other. Bowles comes in and inherits a team that people are already penciling into the Super Bowl. I, I, and I like Todd a lot. And Todd should have been a head coach again sooner than what it took. But its I don't think this is like you just flick, turn the lights on and, and to your point, put you know, anoint them. I think there's a lot of work to be done. And, and I think this could be a much more interesting season than, than maybe some of the last few in terms of especially compared to last year in terms of them hitting adversity and having to reinvent themselves in some ways. Well, they're going to have adversity. I mean, last year, you know, it was injuries to the secondary, you know, they, they, they had their share in the playoffs. They lost, uh, you know, Tristan worse in their opening round against the Eagles. And the, the line was never the same when they lost him. Uh, they'll have adversity, but you know, if you even go back to the Super Bowl run, uh, they won their last eight games in a row. Yeah. They went and into they that late buy in the middle and of the it wasn't great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Antonio Brown came in and stepped up, and he became the, the really important third option. You know, you get to the red zone, there's Mike Evans, and he's as good as any receiver yep. in that role. Um, but they had Gronk for the last two years, and it's just wild to watch plays where there could be complete breakdowns, but Gronk knew where to go, and Brady knew how to get the ball to him. Now, you, you could say Cameron Brait is a good player. You could say Kyle Rudolph can come out of retirement. Mm. And I, there's not Rob Gronkowski to save you. Uh, and so 
there's there's a lot of things to deal with right now. And Todd's a different voice. I mean, you could get a good joke out of Bruce Arians five minutes before kickoff. Yes. You know, he had a real light touch, yet heavy-handed at the same time. It was a unique blend. Um, and I thought he was really good to kind of offset just how focused Brady is and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you got to have some levity, uh, you know, during the week. You can't yes. just tell everybody go out and have fun on Sunday we walk around, you know, all scrunched up all week long. So, uh, but you know, Todd's Todd's got his leadership style. You called it understated. It is, but he's, you know, this is the, the spotlight's on him to make this work. He's got all his whole coaching staff is back, coordinators, the whole thing. So he's got to make this work though. They're expected to be basically a final four team in this league. So that's uh, that's not exactly easy because every year is a new year, and you gotta you gotta put a new year together. Well, I think we would agree that they are still the team to beat in this division um, until proven otherwise. And I believe the team that, if they are dethroned atop this division, the one team that could do it is the New Orleans Saints. They already seem to have a little bit of the secret sauce in terms of matching up with Tampa. Um, It's a defense and a home field advantage. That's very real. And I really liked what they were building last year offensively with Jameis Winston until obviously he suffered that injury. And then they, you know, we're back to the Taysom Hill and gadget stuff and, and kind of trying to piecemeal it together week to week and trying to pry Drew Brees out of retirement or other people out of retirement. Um, it obviously took a toll on what they were able to do offensively. Well, you know, the, a couple things about the saints, you know, they, they elevated Dennis Allen to his second uh, time as a head coach. And that's a good thing, I think, because it keeps the defense in place. Uh, they don't have to learn a new defensive system. Dennis Allen's system is there. Pete Carmichael gets elevated to the play caller. He's been around Sean for a long time. Uh, you know, the one thing about the Saints is they're not, you know, this is no rebuild whatsoever. I mean, they're stepping up to go win it. When you bring in Tyron Matthew and Jarvis Landry, guys, veteran yep. guys that you know, are right in the middle or, you know, getting towards the back end of good careers. They're still relatively young, but they're there, you know, Louisiana kids and going back home. You know, you're, you're, you're stepping up to go uh, compete and to win this division. There's an awful lot on Jameis. He's got to be good. He was good before in the first seven weeks last year, before he, you know, he tore the ACL. Uh, He was really good. And they're much better around the quarterback this year. Than they have been. They they've got some work to do in the offensive line. They got a rookie in there, Trevor Penning, and you know it'd be good to get my, uh, Ryan Ramchek back at right tackle. He's an elite player, and if they could get those guys kind of settled uh, and back, it, you know, playing at a high level like they had been when Drew Brees was the commander, uh, this could be a very very good offense because you get Michael Thomas back with Chris Olave and. And uh, we got to see what if there's going to be punishment. Maybe you know better uh, to Alvin Kamara here for some offseason, right. yeah. you know, things. But I mean, it, it's a very it's it's the most talented group they've had in a long time, and so I I at least the last three years. So I expect the Saints to be uh, highly highly competitive. They have really owned the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the regular season with Tom Brady and and. Uh, you know, his foraged into Tampa. So I, I, and they, they don't fear Tampa whatsoever. No, they know how to play them. 
Defensively, they're, they play them very, very tough, probably better than anybody. So I, I like what the Saints are doing. But again, you know, Dennis Allen isn't Sean Payton. And so uh, Sean was a unique motivator uh, in his way. And so we got to see what Dennis does in that role. You mentioned Penning. We talked about him a, a little bit, probably a fair amount, actually, as I reflect on it, in the lead up to the draft. And and he's a throwback, and he plays the game with a high motor, and he plays on edge. But early in camp, fights three straight days, right? I guess there's a fine line between sort of establishing yourself, proving yourself as a tough guy, um, and then having it affect your development to where you're basically thrown off the football field for a while. Well, I mean, look, the, the best pass protector at left tackle in this league is Trent Williams. I've never seen him get in a fight. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can go out and fight, and there's some guys that's their personality. But, you know, he needs to be working on his techniques. And, you you know, he, he, he did the same thing at the Senior Bowl, which is fine. You know, everybody, oh, you know, look at – he's a punisher. He, he's an enforcer. Okay, that's good. As long as you can handle the edge and you can handle the, the guys that scream off the edge um, you know, the Shaq Barrett's of the world in that division, uh, the Brian Burns in that division. You know, I mean, that's that's what his job is, is to protect the backside of Jameis Winston. And I've seen him a little top-heavy. I've seen him without proper technique. And those things get you in trouble. I mean, you can fight all you want. But if you're getting beat quickly off the edge, um, that is a cause for concern. So, uh I'm not overly concerned because I think that's who he wants everybody to know that he is. Right. But that's not how you ultimately win or build a team chemistry is by going out there and fighting players. It's just, I mean, that, that gets old real fast and that's up to the coach to shut that down. Any areas where you'd sort of, how do I want to phrase this? Sean Payton was so, much a part of their entire franchise identity, right? Like he, he, they embodied so much of him and his, I mean, look, they have an owner, but they don't really have an owner, right? Like Sean Payton uh, and Mickey Loomis, like they, they kind of had autonomy in football operations could build that thing. However they yep. want, you know, sometimes it looked like they're going to be a, a million miles past the cap, but they figured it out. I just sort of wonder like their organizational identity and sort of in what and Sean's got such a strong personality, like sort of what that whole thing looks like with Dennis Allen, who it's kind of like the Tampa thing, right? Like Dennis Allen, way more understated than Sean Payton publicly and privately, like very smart, very cerebral, but in a but in a different way. Like I'm just sort of fascinated to just see what they look like because those players seem to take on so much of Sean's sort of middle finger up in the air, right? Like count, like we're sort of the counterculture guys. We're sort of, sort of the iconoclast, the league's out to get us. And they bought into all that. I just don't know that like Dennis Allen doesn't have that swag. Like, I don't think Dennis Allen motivates that way. Well, I, you know, I was in Latrobe yesterday and I saw Mike Tomlin up close work of practice, it, it, and Sean Payton, they're very, very similar because they are the de facto GM. They do make almost every sing, single decision in the organization goes through them. They are the team builders. Like, there's not a lot of them. Sean, you know, John yeah. Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Carroll, yeah. you know, Sean McVay, they're, yeah. there's, they're not everywhere. No. And, and so 
while Sean Payton was an elite play caller, and, and really, the, I, I don't want to take any shots at you know Pete Carmichael or anybody else going to be calling plays yeah. or building offense. But Sean Payton was so much more than elite play caller. Mm-hmm. And so you see guys like even in, in with the Chargers right now, you look at, you know, Lombardi out there uh, with the Chargers. It, you can have the same playbook, but it doesn't mean that you're running the same offense. Nope. Like Sean Payton's innovation, it's, the playbook was in his brain. And yeah. it, it changed week to week depending on, you know, who his quarterback was and how healthy his offensive line was and was Kamara banged up. I mean, his ability to adjust, to change, to attack, it's, it's, it was, it's rare. And then just to and then to do all the other things, you know, to to basically build the right locker room, to have the right chemistry, to have the right voice, those are things that I think Dennis Allen, you know, you can be around Sean, but it doesn't mean that you're going to have that type of, no. and you can't, you can't expect him to be Sean Payton. So he's got to figure some of that out because if you lose a game in this league, <laughs> Jason, it's it's a rough. It's a rough Monday. Yes. If you lose two in a row in this league, I don't care what your team is, the sky's falling. Yeah. And you better be able to stand in front of the entire organization and let them know that we're going to fix what's not right. And so that's it's it's a real challenge because you you got to you're a whole lot more than just motivating 53 players. It's like an entire building that you've got to elevate, you know, when things aren't going well, when things go rough. If you lose your quarterback for a period of time and you've got to kind of adjust here what they have. And so it's going to be that it, it's, it's just going to be different. I mean, how long was, was Sean there? 16 years, Jason, yeah. you yeah. know, yeah. that was yeah. one voice for 16 years. That's, that's, uh, that's a lot to overcome. Yeah. that They to me are one of the most interesting teams in the NFC and, and there's a lot of talent there, but I, I just really am interested to sort of see um, what, what things look like on game day and, and how they go about their business in a work week because they, that they lost a unique type of, of leader. Um, the Atlanta Falcons, Baldy. Uh, I'm a well, little sort of perplexed, I guess, as to where exactly they are. You know, they kind of did this staccato. We're rebuilding. We're not rebuilding. We're getting rid of some guys. We're not getting rid of others. You know, the Ridley situation with him being, suspended indefinitely before they could trade him um, for gambling. Uh, and even last night, I'm, I'm watching Malik Willis do his thing with the Titans. And, and it's not perfect. It's not polished. He held the ball too long at time. But I'm watching that saying, Arthur Smith what didn't want to – like his old team, you know what I mean, looked at that guy as the replacement for Tannehill, maybe sooner than later – and they didn't want it like they didn't want an interesting offensive cog like that. They're going with Mariota, who people thought was going to be that guy eight years ago, but has never been that guy and doesn't yeah. even look all that athletic anymore and seems to get hurt an awful lot. Like I watch that and I'm just like, you know, preparing for today's pod. I'm like, I got to ask Baldy about this because I'm like, well, I it, thought- it just kind of made me wonder even more about exactly where the Falcons are. Well, I thought they as an organization that they held on to Matt Ryan a year too long and they should have made the switch, you know, whether it was, you know, Justin Fields or whoever the year before and built with a new coach in kind of a new direction and just basically announced we're on a rebuild. They've got, 
so I mean, what they have right now is they have they have some elite players. AJ Terrell is a great player. Uh-huh. Brady Jarrett's a great player. Uh, Kyle Pitts can be a great player. Yes, Drake London was drafted to be a great player. Um, you know, Marcus Mariota is there simply because he was with Arthur Smith for five yeah. years in Tennessee and knows the offense. Um, but you know, he really hasn't had any significant role since Ryan Tannehill took over when he was two and four yep. in Tennessee uh, three years ago. So you know, this is his last chance. But I don't think anybody thinks that Marcus is the long-term answer on a team that very much looked like they're rebuilding and trying to just restock talent. Um, I think they've got the right guy there. I think Arthur Smith's very bright. Yeah, I like Arthur. I think, I, I think you know, he's. I think he's a good leader. I think he's got some really strong attributes. But, you know, they're just, you know, somehow he got them to seven wins last year. They were competitive into December, you know, with a roster that didn't look very good. And so, you know, the running back situation is Cordero Patterson really your starting running back? You know, like they just just basics. I mean, they've been drafting these offensive linemen up front. They're still not very good up front. No. They spent a lot of number one picks on guys and high picks, and nobody thinks that they're an elite group. Um, yet they're all homegrown. They're all, you know, whether it's Hennessy or, you know, I mean, you go you go through the McCrary, like all, you go through the whole list of guys, Lindstrom, and they just have never really come together to really become a solid group, even though they, they've drafted them with high picks. So it's about player development at this point. Uh, is Des Ritter going to be in there? At some point he is. But just watching 20 plays of Malik Willis last night. Right? I mean, you at least give yourself uh, – got a run game. You, 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 got, you got a run game, right, Baldy? And you've got you misdirection. Got and, and do a lot of things off the run yeah. game with him. He's got, you know, he's got a cannon, um, you know, to get the ball to, to, you know, to either Pitts or to London or whoever else they might be throwing to. So it, it doesn't look like a very complete roster to me. They let their best linebacker go. I mean, you just kind of question some of the things they've Bobby, done. Is there any bite in the front seven other than Grady Jarrett? And I feel like I've been saying that for 10 years. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they've missed. They've, they've just repeatedly missed on their edge rushers. And they've been, you know, they brought in Dante Fowler. It was a big miss. I mean, you could just, they drafted guys. They're not even in the league right now, you know, so uh, in the first round. So they they have, when you when you miss on first round picks at that position, the problem never goes away. You know, the, the need to be able to get a pass rush and generate a pass rush. You can only, as, you know, Wink Martindale in Baltimore found out last year, you yep. can only scheme so many free hitters without your defense breaking down. Eventually you got to be able to get home and pressure quarterbacks with just four or three. And they don't have those type of players. Yeah. I I just don't see them being competitive enough on that side of the ball. And like you, I feel like they've been perpetually rebuilding an offensive line. (coughs) Excuse me. That never seems to be any good. Uh, Carolina Panthers bringing up the rear obviously uh, were at many points in time over the last, I don't know, 12 months or nine months, uh, seen by some in league circles as the clubhouse leaders to land Deshaun Watson. They certainly made concerted efforts to do so at various times. Didn't work out. Cleveland threw money at, enough money at him where he finally took it. And then they end up with Baker Mayfield. The returns on him early on, I guess, have been a little bit, mixed but 
Baldy, it's got to be better than. I mean, Sam Darnold, I think, is damaged goods. Like, I, I can't fathom Baker Mayfield not being able to clear that hurdle and at least be the starting quarterback of this football team. Um, but man, I mean, you know, McCaffrey is, is he, you know what I mean? Is, is, has, have things turned for the worse? Is he well, going to be able to stay healthy? Like, I, I don't, I just feel like there's not a lot of there there. Well, I mean, if McCaffrey can't stay healthy, if he can't, then it's going to be a long year. Um, you know, they were three and zero with a healthy Christian McCaffrey last year and they went to Dallas you know, and lost, uh, you know, was highly competitive against Dallas mm-hmm. and it kind of all fell apart. Um, I'm as, as everybody knows, I'm a big Matt rule fan. You know, if you don't get that position figured out, Jimmy Johnson learned that, you know, in Miami, when he came back to coach, if you don't get that position figured out, it's, it's going to be tough to build a team. I like, I like some of the, the pieces on the offense line. I always thought Bradley Bozeman should have been a center. Yep. Um, you know, yep. all along in Baltimore. Yes. Uh, he, he goes in there. Austin Corbett comes from, you know, the Rams where, you know, he's a, mm-hmm. you know, Super Bowl winning, you know, offensive lineman. Taylor Moten, I think, and Icky at the tackle position. It should be better than they've been mm-hmm. at any point under Matt Rule. And if you if McCaffrey stays healthy, those are good pieces. The quarterback battle, the day they signed Baker Mayfield, yeah. I said he's going to start against Cleveland. Like I, I just like just knowing Baker, just all we look all he's looking for is just a competitive fight. That's who he is. It rubs people the wrong way sometimes in the locker room, on the coaching staff, with the fans, but that's who he is. He did it at Texas Tech, you know, when he won the job as a walk-on. Yeah. Uh with Cliff Cliff Kingsbury and falling out. You know, he walks on at Oklahoma, pays his way, wins the job, three year starter at Oklahoma for Lincoln Riley. Uh, becomes the you know number one pick, you know, and takes you know in in Cleveland wins the playoff game in yeah, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Like he's got there. There's certain things that he does that are really good. Is he a top flight quarterback in this league? No, but he could win you games for sure. Right, right. And he, he's going to win this job. And oh, by the way, the schedule makers just happened to you know book Cleveland week one. How about that, Charlie? Really? It's huh. it's just wild. The computer, it's pure luck. It's what the computer <laughs> spat out. It's just it's an algorithm, Baldy. It just happened. It's an algorithm, way. huh? Yeah. Uh, it it was it's about as prescient as you can get. And I'm like, there's not a day, there's not an hour that goes by that Baker isn't looking to stick it to the brown. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, all he wants to do, you, you know, you know, he's going to grab a Carolina Panther flag and stick it right oh, on the brown sideline. I mean, you could just see this whole thing playing out. September I can see 11th. him. Baldy, I, I could see him going full Jim McMahon and wearing <laughs> wearing a headband that says like I'm an adult or who's the adult, right? I mean that whole that that was the that was what broke the levy, right? That was when there was no point of no return when Chris Mortensen, who I mean everybody knows is very well connected, like has had a relationship with the Haslam's for a long time. Yeah. When he comes out and says the Browns think they need an adult at quarterback, that was it. That was yeah. the end. Yeah. I mean, I just I just have known Baker a long time. I just know the way he's wired. Like, he hears all of it, and all he does is use it as motivation. Yeah. They're all learning a brand-new offense in Carolina. Like, people thought Sam Darnold had the advantage. But, look, it's it's a new <laughs> offense, new new offensive coordinator. Uh, everybody's kind of learning it. Uh, I, I, think, I think Baker's going to win the job. Well, we'll see. I mean, I think it's going to be a fair competition. Uh, and I'm not here to dump on Sam, but I, when you say damaged goods, I mean, it started in New York, yeah. you know, and you know, they're, 
they're going up to to scrimmage the uh, the New England Patriots here, and you know that that's the game on Monday night when he was with the Jets where he's caught on the sideline saying I, I'm seeing a ghost. Like he's going to go see you know. So when that comes out of somebody's mouth, I mean, how the Jets ever let that get out is beyond. But to me, that's kind of where you're at with the injuries and some of the decision making. Uh, you just haven't seen a stretch of Sam no. where you go, that's what we thought he was going to be coming out of USC. Like, so that's a big part. But defensively, they should be very good. Yes. Like, they're, they have been drafting corners. Now, when you look at Dante Jackson, J.C. Horn, who was off to a great start last year, uh, C.J. Henderson, who they got for basically, you know, a bag of popcorn yes. from Jacksonville, they gave them to him. Like, those are three elite cover corners. And then if you add in what Jeremy Chin has been, where he he's going to be a Pro Bowl player, mm-hmm. and then you look up front with what they have, uh, Brian Burns is is God, an elite God. player now. Derek Brown, like, and then you you put all those pieces together, they they should be a top ten defense for sure, and they should keep the score down most weeks. So uh, I'm 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 excited about the defensive side, and then offensively, if this line comes together. And McCaffrey stays healthy, like I, you know, I, I, I can see some optimism in Carolina right now. So, could, uh, to put a bow on it, um, I, I know that we think Tampa and New Orleans have a very good shot to make the postseason. The NFC is a little watered down. Could you see the Panthers flirting with a wild card spot? I can see them with the record, you know, going into December where they're in the mix matters for yeah. you know the sixth or seventh spot in this league. You know when you got those division games towards the end of the uh-huh. season, so I could I can certainly see them being highly highly competitive. I I know the type of toughness Matt Rule wants to play with, the ability to overcome injuries, the ability to you know to to keep you know to play the next play, all those kind of things that he preaches, believes in, to build the right locker room. Uh, McCaffrey's a huge part because he's such a matchup uh, chess piece in any offense with his ability now. Did the one year, three years ago, just ruin him when he had 400 touches? Yeah. And, you know, you're a, a 200-pound back, and you yep. just go, boy, the history Might not come back of guys who touch it 400 times. Curtis Martin, Sean Alexander, right. you know, Deuce McAllister, guys that right. touch it 400 times in the season, basically his career all ended. Jamal Anderson yeah. after that. And it just beats him up too much. So um, if anybody can come back and do it, it's McCaffrey just because – of his work ethic and how badly he wants it. Well, it's going to be an interesting year in Carolina. If it doesn't go well, I think that owner um, will be going in a, in a very different direction in a multitude of ways. Um, yeah. It's been, been quite a tenure for, um, for Mr. Tepper. Um, well, that has been our preview of the NFC South. We thank you guys as always for listening, please. Uh, track us down on Twitter at Jason Lock and Four at Baldy NFL. Um, subscribe, rate, and review Baldy's Breakdowns wherever you guys get your podcast goodness, iTunes, Spotify, what have you. Um, and we will be with you next week as we continue this journey and check out the AFC South, where there are certainly uh, some interesting things going on at the quarterback position and uh, plenty to talk about there as well. Baldy, I wish you. 
well on on your travels if you embark out on uh, leg two of your North American yeah, I got tour. Some scrimmages I'm going to see here, Jason. Uh, I got a lot of uh, work starting in L.A. next week, so uh, we're I'm in the saddle here, Jason. Like all of us, you know. I hear you, brother. Well, I hear I'm, you. I'm looking well, the, forward to it. The real thing is right around the corner, and we will be with you guys every week here on Baldy's Breakdowns to keep you caught up on everything going on around the NFL. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.